We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We uh, vented, we questioned, and we got more of that to come today. But I got a lot of that, like, angst that I had about the end of the Brown season and 2022 season out of my system. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like yesterday's show was that negative. Oh, I, no. Like, when we ended the show at 7 o'clock last night, I'm like, um, wasn't that bad? No, I felt like we walked a good line of having yeah. a little bit of fun yeah. while also making sure everybody knows how uh, deeply questionable this organization is. I felt like that was a win. And and then, of course, you know, you'd go home, have a great night, and watch uh, half a college football game that was god-awful. Watched a quarter of college football. It's not great. I mean, that was one of the worst games I've ever seen. You and I talked about... Thank God I didn't have a lot on TCU. Yeah, right there. Because, I mean, I'd have been really sick last night. Because that, that was... Oh, that was brutal. So there's... It's funny, because you and I talked about betting with our heart. There's wanting TCU. I knew that Georgia yep. was going to win by a million. Yep. I, I knew it. But it's not just about you just like TCU and you like Sonny Dykes and what yeah. he's done here. It's also like the thing that's so tricky about putting money on a game like that is, especially if you, you start thinking about putting money on TCU is, you want it. Subconsciously, you want it to be a good game. Of course. So like, oh, I had a to- I had a money line. I'm sorry. I had a parlay destroyed by the money line. 
And so, yeah, by the half, when I knew there was no way in hell TCU was going to cover, I was like, you know what? Why don't we watch a little Treehouse Masters here with the misses, right? Yeah, it was it was brutal. I, I had friends over last night. We got some food ordered in, and and we're we're looking forward to watching the game. And it was just so embarrassingly bad. In the second quarter, I was in the basement playing ping pong. See, that's so much better though. <laughs> when you have people over, we're like, let's go play ping pong. No, that's the best way to do it though, because then you can play, right? Yeah. Oh, well, you can they, do other things. It just allows. It's like a Super Bowl party where the Super Bowl sucks. Yeah. Well, you can still watch the commercials, halftime show, and it actually like a tense game. Totally kills the mood at a Super Bowl party. We're a blowout game. Oh, now we don't have to pay attention because this game is now over. Now it's just a cocktail party. Yeah. So that was a disaster. Tonight, the Donovan Mitchell revenge game in Utah. So we have that going. I got a weird feeling about tonight. Good, good weird feeling, bad weird bad feeling. Bad weird feeling. Hmm. Mostly based off of why the line's only two and a half. So And the Jazz have lost seven of eight. So it's funny. Like, that's a weird deal. The NBA is, like, super shady to me. Uh-huh. And, like, you got to look for, like, the shadiness yeah. and catch it. It's funny you said that. There was an over-under for Jordan Clarkson on three-pointers made. I actually did put in our parlay today, but I really – because he had he had attempted – so it was a, a three-pointers attempted, excuse me. Okay. And he has attempted, like, five or more three-pointers in each of the last three games. And so the over-under set, I think, at two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half. And I was like, is the NBA trying to set me up here to be a patsy? So, yes, I'm right there with you on the NBA shape. Because like, it doesn't seem like such a gimme tonight to take Donovan Mitchell over 28-and-a-half points. It does, right? What was uh, what was the Cavs locker room? What did they say? Uh, oh, it was the, it was the uh, locked-in Don. 71-point Don is yeah. what they expected tonight. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't listen, know. maybe this is the one time where maybe the Cavs could have taken a little bit of direction from the Browns and just lowered that bar a little bit. That 71-point Don is a different Don, all right? Maybe you should play Call of Duty with Kyrie Irving before tonight's game. Maybe that's how we'll know. I was up last night till almost 4.30 in the morning because I just couldn't sleep for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was playing Call of Duty yeah? till about 4.30. With Donovan Mitchell. Not with Donovan Mitchell. Not yet. We no. listen. A little more time on that ESPN here. We just fine there. No. Yeah. Just playing a little. Kyrie uh, Irving will enter. Actually, that's the guy. I don't little think COD. Anybody, I don't think anybody will want to play Call of Duty with Kyrie. <laughs> that actually sounds like a nightmare. So as we are now, uh, and we got a lot to get into on the college football playoffs, and of course uh, the Cavs and Jazz game tonight, and we are still. We're going on 48 hours removed from the end of the Brown season here. And it's been interesting to hear the reaction, Dusty, because I do feel like the amount of people who are positive about where the Browns are and what we saw and heard from Berea yesterday, does that feels like the not vocal minority people who are content and, and say trust in this process with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, I actually think this is something we can throw out just to kind of start the segment because we were talking about it in in the pre-show about the idea of your confidence in the Browns' direction. And this isn't going to be the Browns' hype panic scale. That's only something we do with the Cavs. We did that <laughs> once. We'll do it again sometime this year. But we got in the conversation of are you more or less confident in the direction of the Browns than you were to start the season and as much as I think there's a real chance that this year was a one-off of ugliness, this kind of swirling dervish of crap that we all had to deal with, uh, I can't say I'm I'm really that confident going into next year. And a lot of it 
is because I doubt Kevin Stefanski more now than I did even even eight weeks ago, Dusty. Well, and I, I, I don't know how anybody can go into year four of Kevin Stefanski, the Kevin Stefanski experience, and feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think you could feel better if we knew that there were going to be other changes made. You know, like obviously firing Joe Woods. We talked about that at 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 you know at length yesterday, and you know I'm sure it's going to help when the Browns get a new DC. But is that going to change things in terms of? Kevin Stefanski actually coaching this football team? Yeah. And it's interesting because one of the defenses I've heard is about Kevin Stefanski's play calling. And I was listening to Mary Kay Cabot on Baskin and Phelps earlier today. Yeah. And we actually have a lot of sound on this because obviously Kevin was not so directly asked about this yesterday in Berea and kind of gave the Kevin Stefanski non-answer. But when Mary Kay was talking about the idea of Kevin Stefanski surrendering play calling duties to like AVP... I thought I thought in it there was a defense of of the way the Browns are and where they are going that I that I wasn't a huge fan of. Here's uh, Mary Kay. I think he should have an opportunity to do so in his first full season with Deshaun Watson. I don't think it's time to give it up when you've only really scratched the surface of what you two might be able to do to get together. And Andrew said yesterday. Uh, that he believes they are a good pairing. And we know that uh, Deshaun, one of the reasons why he came here is because he really liked the sort of skull sh- session that he had with Kevin Stefanski when they got together and talked ball when the Browns went to pursue Deshaun in Houston. So I don't think now is the time to pull the plug on that, but, you know, see how it goes, see what happens. And, you know, if a few games into it, something needs to change, then maybe that would be the time to do it. I think he would like to oversee the offense. That's his area of, of specialty. I think he would like to call the plays and then hire a coordinator where he just doesn't have to worry too much about the defense and doesn't have to worry too much about the special teams. That would be spreading himself thin. If he is the offensive expert that the Browns believe he is and that he believes he is, he should play to his strength. So I think him calling the plays and being the offensive coordinator de facto is totally fine, providing that he is up to the task. And we will know more about that as they get into this season once he has an elite quarterback to call the plays for. Uh, there's a line in there that made me really uncomfortable. Which line? Well, there's actually about five of them. But specifically, he'd like to set it up where he doesn't have to worry about defensive, uh, the defensive side of the ball or special teams. Then go be an OC. If you, Don't be a head coach. If you only really want to worry about and, and have a say on the offensive side of the ball, cool. Then just say you don't want to be a head coach. There's nothing wrong with it. Right? there. And by the way, there, uh, there are tons of legendary offensive coordinators. Yeah who never did a lot as a head coach, Norv Turner, one of those prolific OCs in NFL history, never really made it as a head coach. Okay, cool. But then don't waste all of our time. And I think that's a lot of what Mary Kay was saying there. You know, well, we got to give him time. He's only had six games with with, uh, Deshaun Watson. All of those things are three years in. Well, let's go ahead and just figure it out next year. We're three years in. Right. Should it not have been figured out? Like, I don't know. The, to me, you and I were talking about this earlier. There are three things that I, and these are three of the things that I'll grade a head coach on. Whether they call plays on their side of the ball, and if they're good at it, game management, and discipline. And you have to wonder now, three years in, two lost seasons in a row, Dustin, whether 
the play calling is getting in the way of game management and discipline. I, I think it is. And and honestly, if we do this all over again next year without changes, uh, I'm not going to – I think we're going to be sitting here in October and we're going to be saying – Time to fire Stefanski. Well, and I think... I, I and think, it's another rebuild. And we're tearing this thing down. Then we're starting over with a new offense. And you're probably firing your defensive coordinator. Like, you're you're tearing everything down. Well, and I think... You know my biggest fear with all this is Kevin Stefanski keeping the play calling? What's that? Is that it's the same thing as Joe Woods' job. I think Joe Woods, eight weeks ago, would have been fired if not for the fact it was a bargaining chip at the end of the season. Why throw Joe Woods over the the side of the Titanic if that's a good point? If you can go ahead and and because because then if it doesn't work out, more bloodletting will be expected at the end of the season. I think if you're Kevin Stefanski, in a year's time, if the offense continues to be uh, less than what you expected it to be, you know what you get to say. You know, guys, maybe I was too focused on play calling. So uh, this off season, we're going to find a new play caller. And we're going to. And that's maddening well, to me. Well, here's the thing. Like, he's always said that Van Pelt and himself, they collaborate weekly on the game plan during practice and during the film sessions and all those things. And then just on game day, he calls the plays. Well, why can't he still just do all of that and just let Van Pelt call the plays where he can actually, you know, manage the team on the sidelines? Yeah, it's, uh, there's, no, there's no difference except Kevin Stefanski's face isn't in a call sheet. That you basically have override power because that's the whole point, right? Yeah, you, and and honestly, I think a lot of it's ego. I agree. I think it's ego, and I think it's machinations. I think it's ego, and I think it's about uh, trying to extract as much time in the in the head coaching situation as possible. Which, again, that's smart. But the Browns right now are are trying to set this up as the, oh, it's like Andy Reid and Mahomes in Kansas City, right? You've got you've got the 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 perfect uh, offensive play caller with a perfect right. uh, quarterback, but the problem isn't is Kevin Stefanski good at calling plays. That's not the problem. The real question is, and and it would have been uh, I I think an interesting rebuttal in a conversation with Mary Kay. It's not that Kevin Stefanski can't call plays. The, I haven't heard anybody credible actually say that. I've only heard people. I've only heard fans say he's not a good play caller. I, I don't think he's a bad play caller. Nope, no. Um, but this is about is being a good play caller getting in the way of being a good head coach. And that's scary that you would choose that as a head coach of a team that the organization would let him choose that. Yeah, it's almost like self-sabotage. Yes. At the expense of your ego. Yes. Because you... Remember, he said this many times. Like, like I'm a good play caller. That's why I'm here. I'm here to, to be the OC. Um, well, you also you do have an OC. Mm -hmm. If if you don't need Van Pelt, then just fire him. And by the way, that's an experienced OC who used to play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and he's a really. By the way, I was on uh, the team when he was our quarterbacks coach in in Buffalo. He's a hell of a coach. Two one six five seven eight double o nine two. So as we. Uh, on the backdrop of Mary Kay's comments there, the question for you guys is, right now, compared to where you were at the beginning of the season, are you more or less confident in the direction of the Browns given what we've seen over the last four months here? I don't know Kevin Stefanski's being held accountable. And, okay, like, where's the accountability? What's the thing that we've seen Kevin Stefanski pay the piper for for two 
dis- for 15 wins in two seasons? Nothing. The, he, he's, what is it? Did, was he forced to fire Joe Woods? Even that feels like a tame. You're forced to fire one head, one coach. To me, it feels like, and maybe I'm dead on, like wrong about this, but it feels like Barry and Stefanski had that little ace up their sleeve. Mm-hmm. And that ace up their sleeve was to fire Joe Woods at the end of this year and it buys him another season. Yep. And my, my point is, the Browns do a really bad job of being somewhere in the margins. They're really, really good about making no moves, <laughs> not firing guys, right? And they're really, really good at firing everybody. But I think good organizations mm-hmm. learn to have more of a deft touch. And this kind of brings it home to the Kevin Stefanski thing. There better be a real conversation in that organization. Is Kevin Stefanski the play caller holding back Kevin Stefanski the head coach? Because I don't think there's any doubt. Like, I, I hear people, oh, well, if he gets fired, it's going to be somebody's OC. Okay, why do I care about that? Yeah, I don't care. He's actually good at that, by the way. Well, and you know what? Why do I care? Because I've said... I wish he was just ROC. Well, I, I, we've had people on Twitter. Twitter reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. We've had people, Dustin, be like, yeah. I should just demote him to offensive coordinator. And hire a new head coach? And hire That's a new head coach. Like, yeah, happened that, nor will happen. Nor will it, especially if Kevin Stefanski's holding on to play calling because of his ego. No. And so I think that's a, a, a part of transparency here. And I, Jim Donovan on Valley Sports. That's all you just sent that message Delivered a tremendous and impassioned plea about just being more accessible as an organization. Be transparent. Like, like, let us know what's going on. Like, you can say, you can have real responses to what happened this year and how the organization feels about it without giving away the keys to the kingdom. And I I will say, I thought Sashi, I thought Andrew Barry gave us a little bit yesterday. Mm-hmm. He gave us slight glimpses. But Kevin Stefanski doesn't. He doesn't give you anything. And again, that's... I'm totally okay with Kevin Stefanski being close to the vest. I totally understand that mentality. But I also think when you fail, when you fail as sufficiently as they have the last two years, maybe it's okay to to be a little bit more human. And I think that's interesting. Like the idea, and that's something we've heard. Nate Ulrich wrote a piece about it for the Akron Beacon Journal. Daryl Ryder had something on it for our website yesterday. Talking about the lack of a human touch and the lack of of maybe valuing people skills in Berea. That's all we're really talking about here. And it's not for you and me, the media. No, 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 no. This is for the fans. And I just, I've just left. If Joe Woods is the only thing they do, you didn't hold Kevin Stefanski accountable. You didn't say, you know what, Kevin, we love your relationship with Deshaun. Right. We want you to have a huge part on the offense when it comes to game planning, all the other stuff. But during the game, we need you to be a part of that conversation, not leading that conversation with your nose in the play sheet. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're, we're just at a point now where, and this sucks because it's it's a one-year audition with Stefanski and Deshaun Watson. Watson will be here. We know that. But it's going to be a one-year deal. And look, we're going to be impatient. Mm -hmm. Fans will be impatient. And they should be, by the way. This is year four. Yep. 
Yeah, like the expectations don't level off here. If you expected them in the playoffs last year, and even though they missed the playoffs, it shouldn't lower the – no, you should still expect this team to go out yes. and be in the playoff hunt. And you know what? Because this year was a wasted year, maybe you should expect them to take two jumps forward and not one. If we're really evaluating Kevin Stefanski, if this year was a misstep, okay, you fix the things and Deshaun's better – why shouldn't we expect two jumps ahead or three jumps ahead instead of one? Yeah, and here's the thing that stinks is the AFC is so competitive that even if the Browns do take those two steps and they do win 10 games next year, it doesn't even guarantee you a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be with all the quarterbacks that yeah, I mean, are in like the if, AFC. If, if two is healthy for a season with Allen, with Mahomes, with, hell, our division, mm -hmm. and yeah, count out Pittsburgh all you want. Yeah. All and, they do is beat you. And by the way, long term, Houston got the second pick. They're going to take a quarterback at two. Oh, they are. So, yeah, yeah. And that's not guaranteeing anything, but the point is you're continuing yeah, they're going to have Bryce Young or Will Levis or some – I mean, somebody's going to be, I, I think, halfway decent. Indianapolis has the fourth pick and is going to try and trade up to one. So all of – so not only do you have a lot of superstar talent now, it does look like we're going to continue to put high-level prospects into this, which, which maybe not next year – two years from now, three years from now, only increases the amount of talent. You just don't have time to waste. And I, listen, I disagree with everybody who says, oh, you can't waste another year of Miles Garrett. You can't waste another year of Nick Chubb. Yes, you can. Teams do it all the time. You can't. This isn't about that. This is about the move for Deshaun Watson with all the scrutiny, with all the BS it brought, with $230 million, three first-round picks, you can't waste another year because that is unacceptable, right? If you had wasted another year with Baker Mayfield, we would have been like, well, with fifth-year option, well, this, well, that. Well, we would have found ways to, to, to compartmentalize that. You didn't waste another year with Baker. You took the biggest swing this organization has ever taken. Yeah. And it came up bust year one. That's really, really crucially important. And that, to me, is why Kevin Stefanski should have no, nowhere near. He has no business calling plays next year. Right? You've got an experienced OC who's been in the NFL. Let him do it and focus on being a head coach. But either it's a play to preserve, to have another card to play down the line, or this guy really thinks he's Jesus Christ incarnate when it comes to calling plays. <laughs> It's the only two. It's the only two explanations I. Yeah, can I mean, listen. He he definitely thinks he's really good at it, and maybe he is. And and frankly, I I, I do think the, he's probably good at calling plays. But just calling plays, I mean, like this isn't Madden. Yeah, you know, you've got to do more than that to be a head coach in this league. And I think that's one area where I I would love to see the growth from him, mm -hmm. being such a young head coach, is to take that step. Hell, Ryan Day is doing it at Ohio State. Yep, and he's one of the best college football coaches we've seen. And he's put, he's put two top ten quarterbacks in the NFL in three years. He's been to the playoffs how many times in the last three years? Like, it's okay to self evaluate and say, as much as I love this, this is a part of the joy I get. Yeah, and by the way, just because you like delegate something to somebody else doesn't mean you're saying I'm not good at it. Yep, two one six five seven eight double o nine two. Are you more or less confident in the direction of the Browns than you were before the season? Let's go specifically with Kevin Stefanski. Richard, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Uh, gents, um, last night 
driving home, I was listening to the replay of the uh, the coaches, Andrew Barry, Stefanski, talking about the end of the season. And I, by the time I was on my way home, I was yelling and screaming at the radio, kind of upset with the the responses they were given, but I was also upset with the reporters that were there throwing them softball questions. No one asked him, Andrew Barry, no one asked Stefanski, hey, look, you guys have had this scheme going on for three years. Do you think your job's on the hot seat? If not, how do you plan – how do you plan to, to, to make it better? You're, you're a horrible, well, I wouldn't say horrible, but he's a 500 coach who's had three years and hasn't done anything besides one playoff win. Yeah, and 2020 is getting uh, farther and farther away in the rearview mirror. Thank you for the call, Richard. Um, does, he, does he technically get that playoff win? Yes, he does. I, I can't do that. I understand what you're saying. Mike Prefer was the head coach. But he got them there. It was his game plan okay, that won. Okay, all right, all right. But I, I would say I disagree with how the media handled yesterday. I thought there were a lot of really direct questions. Yeah, I agree. I think the problem is in that media scrum, there, there doesn't leave a lot of room for follow-up. You know, like when we get to interview somebody, if somebody sidesteps the question the way these guys tend to sidestep the question. Yeah, we get them for 20 minutes. So yeah. They have one question. Well, and we can – um, hey, Kevin, you're going to give up play calling? I'll do anything that uh, that in- includes that, – that makes that's best for the team. Okay, does that involve – or do you think that you call plays is best for the team? Is that in consideration? Yes. Like, you just – but in that environment, it's it's a meat market. In that yeah. environment, it is, it is trying to herd cattle. And I think the reason why I say that is don't take the onus off of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Because they had that moment to be genuine. And listen, I, I thought they made a couple jokes and that was fun, whatever. But I thought they had moments to be genuine, reflective, mm-hmm. and honest. And they chose the same old. And I don't know if it's because Kevin Stefanski grew up listening to sports talk. Um, then he should have heard coaches doing it the right way. Right? Because it's always uh, people, in uh, you know, executives look at sports talk as a zero-sum game. And I totally understand that. They clearly have never listened to a head coach use the media the right way. I got a lot of things to say about Urban Meyer as a head coach. Do you ever hear Urban Meyer sidestep a question or downplay a question? No. Not really. He kind of was, even in that, um, was it an interview with you and Adam when he took over, or was it the press conference I was listening to? I can't remember. I can't, but, but when Urban took over, I actually think it was you and him interviewing okay. him. And... Guys asked him really direct questions, and he was direct in his response. Right. And, but he didn't say, oh, well, I think I'm going to start JT Barrett. Or, ah, oh, we're going to win a, a championship this year. But he had, and, and he talked about the end of things in Florida. It's really not that hard. And when you, don't, when, you, when you handle things that way, how it comes off as you think you're better. How it comes off as you think you're smarter, which can be the case. You win your Ivy Leaguers. That's cool. That doesn't buy you a lot of currency if you're talking down to people, especially in a town like this, which has had its fair share of people nationally nationally and locally talking down to it. Introductory press conference in the NFL is the easiest thing to win. It doesn't mean anything. Winning press conferences, like we always have coaches and GMs yes. and presidents 
and owners that win the press conference. Because it's Cleveland's not hard. undefeated. In fact, I think every press conference, for the most part, <laughs> outside of uh, Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> no, who <laughs> was the crazy-eyed coach for the Jets? Oh, Adam Gase. He lost the press conference. Yeah, he did. You know who did too? Who? Joe Judge. Something yeah. about New York and losing the press conference. But the point is, it's easy. It's it's relatively the other easy. New York coach lost the press conference too. Remember the guy that was with the Packers who wore like the big suit. Packers big suit, offensive guy. Had a mustache. Mustache. Good God. This is not correct. I'm giving you all the details. You give me all the details and I'm not remembering anything. He anymore. was there for like two seconds. All right. Well, we'll I'll think on that because I'm clearly just spacing out here. We're talking about the uh, the fallout from the press conference yesterday. And, and Jason Lloyd was on with a morning show. And he had uh, spent an hour with Ken and Anthony. And, you know, we played Mary Kay Cabot's thoughts on the station uh, about uh, Kevin Stefanski is a play caller. Uh, Jason Lloyd was even more ardent about Kevin Stefanski keeping the play calling duties. In terms of like play calling and running the offense, and I've talked to a bunch of the offensive players who what they really like about the system is the misdirection and the you think we're going this way, but we're going over here, and everything is lined up for us to go here, but we're going over there, and it works, and they have a lot of success with it, and they like it. So I, I don't think anything's going to change in terms of who's calling the plays. It's going to be Kevin. Kevin's going to call plays next year. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's you, a bad thing. Do you support? I, yo, you support that? Yeah, he's done a good job with it. Like he's done a really good job with it. Nobody else could do a good job with it. I'm sure they could, but why would you mess with something that's working? Well, because I I have bigger questions. I don't think a lot of people think it's working though. When they're seven and ten, look at what he got out of Jacoby Brissett. Look at what he got out of Baker Mayfield. They went four and seven with Jacoby Brissett. Baker Mayfield was not a playoff quarterback that second year. But again, that's why Joe Woods is not here and Kevin is because the defense is what a huge reason why they were what they were. I think the entire team has to share in some of that responsibility. Yes, I can't just put it on one yes, thing. Yes, they do. If we're saying that Kevin Stefanski is an offensive coordinator, fine. But you see, we keep going in a circle here because he's got to be a head coach yes. first, and that's, not just okay, an OC. But, but he can still be harder on discipline, which I think he needs to do, and still call the plays. It doesn't have to be, I have to abandon this in order to do that. No, he's a big boy. He can do both. I, yeah, I don't know that he can, Jason. Like I, I, and, and by the way, I love that Jason. Some people can, and some people can't. Well, and, like and not also, everyone's Sean Payton. Also, maybe he needs to step away from it for a while. Yeah, maybe he needs. Maybe he might benefit from learning how to be a head coach without calling plays on the offensive side of the ball. And then three years from now, if he's breaking in a new coordinator, right? Well, then you can go back to it. Like that, Belichick. That's fair. Like Belichick. There have been times where Belichick has been the least involved, right? And they've won. There have been times where he's had to be overly involved, and they've won. Like, I just, I think, you know, he he said something of why would you mess with something that's working? I don't think it is working. If you're not winning games, it doesn't matter how good Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield played because that means as a head coach, and listen, do I know taking away play calling duties would make him a better disciplinarian? No. My my fear is there might be a flaw in the Death Star that is Kevin Stefanski. And that flaw might be that Kevin Stefanski isn't a good enough di- disciplinarian. He's not a good enough people person. He doesn't hold guys accountable enough. And if that if that's true, it, none of this matters. And call every play he wants to. Yeah, you, I, I, you, think, I think the key you're hitting on there, Nick, is the people person, is is the human element of this whole thing. And yes, you can be a great play caller. You can design great plays. But football is not a, a game that's played on a computer. Mm-hmm. 
I joke when I say Madden, but like you really do. Did you hear the Kirby Smart thing last night? Yeah. Okay. So like, if you haven't, folks, look look it up. I mean, it's it's an amazing pregame speech. No and, young people around, please, because there's yeah, don't some play words. don't play in front of your kids. <laughs> um, but it was amazing, and I just don't know that we've got that sort of leadership. And maybe it's in him somewhere, mm-hmm. but I just feel like maybe he's distracted. Well, and, you know, Jason also said, well, but that's why Joe Woods isn't here. Well, okay, but the defense is why you failed this year. Right. And the other part that you failed because of defense and discipline. That's also Kevin Stefanski. Two years ago, you failed because the head coach and the quarterback clearly had some sort of miscommunication, couldn't see eye to eye on the offense. Oh, by the way, the $230 million quarterback you just traded for apparently has to sit down with Kevin Stefanski and they have to build a totally new offense next year involving spread concepts, which they didn't do this year despite knowing that that's what he had thrived in in Houston in the first place. Yeah, and your and your quarterback who's been here for like two seconds is saying, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't run the football out of the gun as much as we do. Maybe we should utilize that Nick Like How, do, how does he know that already? And how does Stefanski not? 216-578-0092. Henry, welcome to the show, bud. What you got for us? Hello, Henry. Hank! Yes. Henry, Hank. oh, Henry. I'm asleep driving out here. Well, that's not good. Uh, oh, wake up. I listen to you guys all the time, and I appreciate that you're objective. There's oh. so much to unpack with this, Thank you. With this guy. Thank you. Uh, so I have a couple of points. Number one, he's wonderful at deflecting blame. Uh, number two, empirically, it seems to be sort of clear that he's a little rigid in adjusting to what the game uh, develops in front of him. I think it's empirically clear that, you know, maybe he's a decent play caller, but he's not very good at managing a game. And to not have, you know, two running backs at the same time and then not play both defensive ends at the same time and not be able to take any criticism, uh, I, I just think this guy is uh, – uh, there are a lot of people that I mean, I've known a ton of people who have gone to Harvard and, and attorneys and, and doctors and some, some are arrogant. Mm, congrats on all your success. Not. Some are not. Uh, I went to Miami on probation, Dustin, uh, where I, where I swam for Mi- one year. Miami, uh, hurricanes or Miami, Oxford. Oxford. Okay. Well, can, again, yeah, congrats on all your probation. success. And I played hockey in high school. So you guys are more expert about football than I am, but I've been watching this for a good 66 decades watched uh, every game of Jim Brown when I was in Miami. 66 decades? Are you 600 years old? (laughs) Are you Dracula? (laughs) All right, Henry. Henry, we're just having fun with you. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, Yeah, I agree, though, with the idea of the rigidity of – I just wanted to say rigidity. I thought of the whole Rigidity? Rigidity of Kevin Stefanski. Is that the word of the day? It is now. Callista, welcome to the show. Callista. Hey, y'all. Hey, (laughs) y'all. I uh, am calling. I listened to y'all uh, today, and I said, let me call in from a mom's perspective that has three linemen that have been playing since they were six years old, and now they're in the 12th grade and 7th grade. Um, I is simple. Um, I hate to be so elementary, but I believe, and I know that y'all have different opinions, but Stefanski is a problem. Like, us parents, when, when something's not going right, on the field, 
we don't go to the offensive coordinator. Yes, we might be yelling from the stands like, oh, what's going on? But ultimately, we go to the head coach. Like, what is really going on? You're ultimately, you took this job knowing its responsibilities. You are responsible for all aspects of the field. My boys don't start on that line for no reason. They came there to do a job. They earn their time on that field for a reason. They look to the coach to tell them what's going on. And ultimately, if it's not working, it's the coach's fault, the head coach's fault. That's it. That's all. You got the players. You got my boys doing what you say. Make it happen. Call the right plays. If you don't want to call the right plays, pass it off to somebody that can. That's it. Love y'all. That love you love too, Calista. Great Thank stuff. You. I disagree with you, but you do. You're raising three linemen. Just kidding. I agree with that's a lot not of, easy, and that's also a very expensive uh, grocery bill. Yeah. So, double thoughts and prayers to you on on the grocery yeah. bill there. But no, I mean, I think she. Listen, this is what happens when you underperform. the The head coach not only should be questioned, should be held accountable, and the Browns should be transparent if they're going to do that sort of things. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.